Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Oh God, you are here, Lord, and we are here. May you breathe on us anew that we may see you and believe. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. All these beautiful people here on the second week of Easter. Isn't this wonderful? Y'all do know Easter Christmas is 12 days, Easter's 50. So we're going to be partying and celebrating for a while. All right, it's good to see everyone. I came across this this week. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Now, as I was reading this text, that is what stuck out at me. I mean, I started thinking how powerful a force that fear is. Fear, and we all have it in some way, shape, or form, or experienced it in some way, is a very powerful force, and I think that fear locks us behind doors. Now, granted, fear is something that we all experience at some point in our lives. I'm aware of that. It could be a natural response to a dangerous or uncertain situation. But fear can also paralyze us and prevent us from living our lives to the fullest. Fear can get in the way of us stepping into something good and beautiful, something that God has put inside our hearts and our souls. But yet, hardly a day passes in our lives without some experience of inner or outer exterior fears, anxieties, apprehensions, comp- uh, preoccupations, you name it. We see it all the time. All you have to do is watch the news, right? I mean, we fear the unknown, we fear failure, we fear rejection, we fear intimacy, we fear change, we fear illness, and we fear death. Fear takes precedence, it seems like, in our lives. I think fear is at the core of most all news stories. So when you're watching the news, right? I used to work in the media. So when you're watching the news, everything has a little element of fear. They're trying to trigger you on the inside because if you're afraid, if they could tap into your fear, then they can get a hold of your attention, right? And then they can start to control how you think. I mean, a lot of political campaigns are based in fear. And it doesn't matter which side you're on politically, right? It's those ones you need to fear over there because you know what they're going to do, right? And they say the same thing about one another, but it's all fear-based. And I think advertising in general, many advertisers, there's an element of fear attached with the message. Well, you can be beautiful if you buy this shampoo or whatever, right? Well, there's this underlying message that you need to be afraid because perhaps if you don't have this shampoo, you're not going to be as beautiful. You see what I mean? And here's, but I'm I'm just, you know, but this is true. There's fears everywhere. And when we're fearful, we tend to lock our doors. 
locked doors, you could say, offer us a sense of security and protection, right? I mean, we lock our doors in our home typically at night. However, locked doors can have a negative connotation as well. Fear can penetrate our inner being, our psyche, so much, so deeply that it controls most of our decisions and most of our choices. All forms of control are really about fear at the basis, right? And, and, and it's because we're wanting things to be manageable. We want to keep everything right. And so our choices, our decisions, everything's impacted by fear. And that leads us oftentimes into isolation, lack of trust, exclusion. We don't want any of those people, right, because I fear them. I wouldn't say that I'm afraid. You know, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. But my actions speak differently. Fear is that underlying drive, right? And when we're full of fear, it seems that the door that most often gets locked It's not the front doors of our homes or the car doors. It's the door to our hearts. Our hearts get shut down. They get locked in, right? But fear, fear causes us to lock the door. Early Easter morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene discovered the empty tomb. Y'all remember this from last week? Good. She saw and spoke with Jesus. He called her by name, right? She left the garden of resurrection, and what did she do? She went and told the disciples, I have seen the Lord, okay? That was this morning. Now it's afternoon, evening. And what did the disciples do? What was their response to all this message? I have seen the Lord, like he's risen. You know what their responses were? Here it is. On the evening of the first day of the week of the first Easter, the disciples were hiding behind a locked door. Mary's excited. She had seen the Lord. He had called her by name right in. He sent her back to the disciples to tell them. And what was their response? They weren't filled with joy. They weren't filled with hope. Didn't change the way they lived, this message. Didn't change them at all. They were not experiencing new life and new possibilities. Instead, the disciples were filled filled with fear, hiding behind locked doors. Now, the text uh, indicates that they feared the Jews, right? Uh, Probably the temple leaders, uh, the religious authorities, the religious leaders who had handed Jesus over um, might get handed over too. You never know, right? Could be that they um, might be accused of taking Jesus' body or whatever. Uh, But no doubt these guys were grieving, right? They, they, They were grieving. They were afraid. They were probably ashamed and humiliated. For you got to remember, they promised that they would never abandon Jesus, and guess what they did? They abandoned Jesus. They, I don't know this guy. <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I don't know him, right? And so when Jesus was being arrested, they all spread, man. They, they went away. And so perhaps they didn't want to deal with that uh, loss of their dignity, you know? I don't know, the sense of failure among people. Because, you know, they had left everything to follow this Jesus guy, and here he's been crucified. And how do you go back and tell your friends, well, you know what, I was wrong. That guy was crazy. I was wrong. See, they left everything. They were afraid. We, too, are like the disciples, I think. We get locked behind doors. 
Doors lock us in, man. All kinds of doors. Not just fear, but grief. Shame, maybe like the disciples, you know. I can't show my face, man. I'd just rather hide, right? Pain, addictions, resentments, doubt, pride. Fear locks us in. And at the center of the gospel, the good news, you have to remember, the good news is the proclamation that Jesus Christ, that God in Christ has come looking for us. So the whole idea of Christmas, incarnation, right? Yeah, God became one of us, entered into our world. God has come looking for us. God has come to enter into our world. That God is not distant, right? And, and now that Jesus is risen, he goes back to his disciples. Now, Jesus doesn't have, like, they didn't have a ring, right, on their, on their door. Oh, dude, is that Jesus? No, that's not what happened. Right? They didn't knock. Jesus didn't knock. He didn't ring the doorbell. He didn't text first to say, hey, dude, I'm going to be coming by. Right? Just in case you all know, it's me. Right? No. Jesus walks right through the door. And that's exactly what God has done in our lives. God doesn't wait for the door to get open. He comes in and reveals himself to us. And Jesus goes to his disciples. He shows them his wounds. Right? He's real. He's in the flesh, and he says, peace be with you. Now, I don't know about you, but if all my friends abandoned me, and then I was beaten, mocked, spit on, and then crucified, that might not be the first thing I say to my friends afterward. I might say, where did you guys go? Or something. But Jesus comes speaking peace. And the word shalom, and it really means a well-being in the heart, the mind, and the soul. And you could actually say that shalom is what God intended with the kingdom of God, this peace on earth, shalom for all people. But I think Jesus' voice wasn't one that was agitated. I think it was a tender voice, a nurturing voice of God drawing near to these folks who were trembling. And so if you are afraid, if you have fear, God doesn't come with a voice of condemnation or shame to make you feel smaller and keep you in hiding. God's voice to you is one that's tender, tender and gentle and nurturing because God wants to take us out of what locks us behind the doors of our lives. See, Jesus' words are an affirmation that the work that God set out to do in and through Jesus has been fulfilled. Jesus said, from the cross, it is finished. Humanity has been forgiven. Now think about this. Everything that you've ever thought, said, and done... All the wrong, all the brokenness, all of that has been clean. All God's doing, all given, grace, the world has been forgiven. The creation that God created in the resurrection of Jesus has been reconciled with God. Forgiveness, love, mercy abound for all. For all, for all. Even the ones you fear, Jesus says it is finished. 
Now it's time to get in to the party. Now it's time for you to join the party. And then notice this. Jesus breathes on them. Jesus breathes on them. That's very remarkable. Y'all ever read Genesis? Y'all ever heard that story about creation? God breathed, right? Said let there. Jesus is recreating. It's a new creation in the resurrection. And he's breathing on them. And he's essentially saying that my power, my presence is in you. This was the spirit that's given to us at our baptism. Jesus was in a tomb on an early, early morning. There was no one around. It was just Jesus in a dark cave with a rock in the front of it. But something breathed into him and brought him to life. The same spirit that hovered over creation is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's the same spirit that Jesus breathes on and into us. Jesus breathed on them. Now notice this. He goes, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now his life and our lives are one. His story is our story. His mission is our mission. After finding the disciples, forgiving them, restoring peace to their souls, Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. And a mission, you could say. The ministry of grace and reconciliation with the world. To take what Jesus had inaugurated in his life, in his resurrection, he's now saying to these guys, hey, this is what you're going to be doing now. Isn't that beautiful? And you know what these guys did? They were so excited that a week later... They were still in the same house behind the same locked doors. And it makes you wonder, did Jesus' resurrection make a difference in their lives? I mean, this is Jesus for crying out loud. He appeared to them. And a week later, the text says they're still locked behind the doors. Jesus Jesus is free, but the disciples are imprisoned behind locked doors. Terrified. But what's on the other side of those doors? So it leads me to wonder. Has Jesus' resurrection made a difference in your life? Has Jesus' resurrection made a difference in my life? And if so, what difference did it make? What difference does it make? Or does fear have you hidden behind locked doors? You know what I mean? Y'all tracking with me? I'll cut this short if you're tracking. If you're not, I'm going to keep going until I feel like you get it. Are you locked in guilt? Maybe shame. Maybe some form of uh, regret or disappointment or maybe anger. Maybe you're really angry. Perhaps... You're locked behind the door of resentment or sorrow or loss or wounds or hurts. 
What difference has Jesus' resurrection made to you? What doors maybe need to be unlocked and opened in order for you to experience this resurrection freedom and joy? You know, as I thought about this, I went through a list of potential fears or whatever. And I, I, will, I will say this, and Greg and I talk about this a lot. But you know, what hit me as I was praying about this text, I think maybe one of the greatest fears that we have is the fear of God. Now, I don't mean the mean, angry, punishing God of legalistic religion. I'm not even talking about the fear of health, healthy reverence and respect. I'm talking about the fear of the God that's revealed in Jesus Christ. The one and what he may invite me into. And what that may mean for me and how that will look. Right? I mean, the, you know, the one who invites us into love and grace and mercy for all people. I think that sometimes this gentle, loving, compassionate, merciful, inclusive God terrifies us. What will it look like if I open the door of my heart to him? I mean, I think maybe we're afraid to be vulnerable. Also, I may have to show him my wounds and say, look, and let him put his fingers and heal me. Or like Thomas today, maybe, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm not sure about my faith or whatever. I'm not, I don't know, you know. I have doubts. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's commitment. It keeps us locked in. And ultimately, the fear, the deepest fear, isn't so much that God is mean and angry. It's because God is so loving. And in order to meet that loving God and experience that Easter life requires me opening my heart and soul and surrendering to that love. And that is scary. Peter, in our second reading, says, By his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says this, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. This is the gift that has been given to us in the resurrected Christ. But here's the thing. Just as the Holy Spirit breathed on Jesus and he stepped out of the tomb, here's the thing. So must we. We got to get up and we got to walk out of the tomb. Because as long as we remain behind locked doors of our hearts, right, nothing will actually change. Our lives today will look the same as they did before Easter. And so I say this if your life looks the same as it did before Easter, it may be an indication that you need to unlock some doors and step in to resurrection life. See, 
Easter is God's promise, Jesus' promise, that there is a future and a hope on the other side of those locked doors. But it's up to you and it's up to me to open and step through those doors into resurrection life. So my prayer is that God grace us with the willingness to be willing to let something new and unexpected happen in us. That God, through stepping through those doors, that we will have Easter in us. Resurrection life. Because we are people of the resurrection. And that is our identity. And that is the gift from Christ. Amen. So I invite you into a moment of silence. And I know no one's ever afraid. But maybe... Maybe there's a tad bit of fear there. What is that? As we name it, it starts to lose its power. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.